Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. Uh, today we have a, kind of a guest speaker. He doesn't usually preach here very often, but uh, his name's Andy Smith. He's the Axis. You can come on up, Andy. Andy's the Axis Youth Group Leader. Uh, he's been doing it now. We talked about it this morning, actually, for about three years. And uh, he's going to share with us this morning. And uh, his wife, Michelle, took the, kids took the kids downstairs. So he can introduce you to them later if you, if you want. Anyway, uh, Andy Smith, I'm going to go ahead and pray for him before he gets started. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just speak through Andy this morning, Lord, that... Uh, you would soften our hearts to just listen to what you have to say through him, Lord, that whatever his thoughts were for this morning, Lord, that you would just, your spirit would fill him, Lord, that any expectations he had, Lord, that you would just exceed those. In your name I pray, amen. So great to be here with you guys this morning. Um, I really uh, was looking forward to this when, when Johnny asked me to share. And not because, and I will give a, a disclaimer, and I, I probably give this disclaimer every time, I speak, but I'm really going to give it today, that as I prepared this message, it just didn't come together for me. So, I know that you're like, what in the world? We are going to trust the Holy Spirit this morning, if you guys are okay with that. We are going to um, just give this time to the Lord and just ask that he speaks to us, Uh, because you don't want to hear from me. Trust me. I failed man. I am, a, I am a sinner, saved by grace. It's only the grace of God that I am who I am, and I am what I am. And so really what I bring to the table uh, isn't, isn't all that impressive. But when the Holy Spirit shows up, when the Spirit of God speaks, now we've got something going on. Now we've got something that changes lives. Now we've got something that, that can change our hearts, and that can challenge us, and that can grow us, and that can inspire us. And so that's what we're going to count on this morning. Amen? I want to share something that is, it is near and dear to my heart. And I think because it is so near and dear to my heart, that's why I had such a hard time putting it together and and making it kind of speak what God has put in my heart. Like it's just so deep in there that it just took, it was really difficult, I feel, um, for me to to bring it out. Um, But what I want to share with you guys today is about... And I I probably speak about this a lot, maybe all the time, about the church being the church. Um, I I, I work in the city of Chicago, um, and so I go in, you know, every day. Um, It's it's a pretty long drive from Lansing. Um, And on Monday morning, usually, um, as I'm driving in and as I'm, you know, listening to the radio or when I get to my office um, and I check the web and I look at the number of people that were shot or killed in the city of Chicago over the weekend. And of course, during the summer, um, those numbers are, you know, those numbers are, are a lot um, greater. And, and so as I do this, and I do this every week, because a lot of the, the centers that I, that I supervise or oversee um, are in some of these neighborhoods that have really high death rates, really high um, crime rates, really high um, 
just a lot of, of negative things and a lot of things. And so as, as I go and I hear numbers like, you know, 85 or 113, and I'm thinking, man, how can that many people have been shot? Many of them young people under the age of 24 in any given weekend. God, what is the call to the church in times like these? What do you require of us as the body of Christ, as the hands and feet of God, while this is going on, not over in the Gaza Strip, though it's happening there as well, not over in Afghanistan, though there are things that are happening there, not over in, in, in places in sub-Saharan Africa where there are things that are happening, but right here. What is God challenging the church to be, to do? And that's what I want to share, and that's what I, um, I want us to look at this morning, and I want us to just, um, just ask the Lord, and I'm just going to pray really quick, and just ask the Lord to, um, to reveal truth to us through his word this morning. Lord God, we just thank you so much for today. Lord God, we just thank you that you are here, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your presence. God, we, we yearn for your presence. God, we, we need your presence. God, there's so many tragic things that are happening all around us, so many storms that are just brewing in our lives, even in our personal lives. But God, you've called the church to step above the fray, God, and to speak truth and to speak hope and to speak life into, into dead situations, into situations that are, that are so negative. God, I pray right now, God, that through your word you would give us a holy boldness, Lord, Not to turn our faces, not to turn our backs to the things that are going on in this world, Lord. The things that are going on just miles away from us, God. But God, that you would give us that sword, God, that shield, that we would run. As a church, run to battle, Lord. Run to speak up for those who who cannot, who will not, who don't know how to speak up for themselves, God. Build a church of leaders, Lord. A church of leaders. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to look at a couple passages. We're going to look at at, at the the, the bulk of the text this morning is actually going to come from Acts 27. It's one of my favorite stories um, of Paul in in all of the New Testament. Um, But before we get there, before we get to to that, I want to share um, a prayer that Paul had for the Ephesians um, in Ephesians chapter 3. And if you guys want to, if you guys want to turn to that, I'm just going to, I just want to share. I want you guys to, to hear, and I want you, as I'm reading this, even if, if you want, to even just close your eyes, and I want you to imagine, um, it, because it was written to us. It was written, of course, to the church in Ephesus, um, and, and to speak in there, but it's, it's written to, to the church global, to the church worldwide, um, that its truths are still real for us today. Um, and I want you to hear this, because I want you to understand, and I think before we talk about anything else, we have to understand that the power that is given to us as children of God, as believers. So as we talk about how do we show our influence, how we show our leadership in a world that is broken, we have to understand how powerful we really are. We have to understand what we truly possess. Because I think as we understand what we truly possess, then the idea of going out into a world and say, well, what little thing can little me do? No, it's what big thing can a big God do? And how can he use little me to do it? 
So I want to share this because I think this is, this is kind of a, the rally cry. You know, I played years of football. I always throw in some football analogy. Most kids, you know, kids in the youth group will tell you. Um, in years of football, it's always this, this sense of how do you kind of rally the troops? Let's rally this morning. Let's come together this morning. Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to start just now. start at verse 16. It says, I pray, Mercy Hill, that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, Mercy Hill, you, individual, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. I love that. I love that because there is power that he gives that is in you and it comes from his love. It comes from that love that sent him to the cross. It comes from that love that allowed him to be beaten and bruised for us. There's power in that. And he's saying that is in you. So if we're rooted in that, if we're established in that love, then there is power that comes from that that is at work within us. Pretty amazing stuff. And I think sometimes, and I'm not speaking to you guys because I know you guys will never, ever think this way. But I think sometimes we look at being rooted and established in the love of Christ as as this God who just kind of gives us comfort. Which he does. But that's about the extent of it. Thank you, Lord, for this comfortable life. Thank you, Lord, for the fact that I have this beautiful home, or whether it's big and beautiful or small and beautiful, we have it. Your love gives me good things. And sometimes that's the extent. That's how much Christ's love compels us. It compels us to be thankful for things. But a lot of times it does not compel us to be an active group of people, man. To be a group of people that's fired up about going out into a world. You know, I think of David. Yeah, David. I mean, could you imagine in those early years when he's going to take his brother's lunch and he hears these people defying the Philistines and this giant defying the armies of God? And they're speaking sarcastically and they're taunting them. And this little kid who's not a warrior, who's not a fighter, he's not a battle, he's like, how dare them speak to the armies of God this way? But knowing the love of God, knowing that power that was within him, it's like our God is so much greater. Why are we not fighting? Why are we not out there looking for opportunity to say our God is greater, our God is stronger? 
Do we simply look for the comforts that come with knowing I have fire insurance? Thank you, Lord, for that. Or does the word of God, does the love of God that is deeply rooted in us, does it drive us to say, man, how can I get to Target? There's going to be thousands of people waiting in line, just there, just waiting for nothing, to go and save some money, I guess, in the cold. And we have an opportunity to go and take hot chocolate and donuts and just share the love of Christ. I know there weren't enough room in the vehicles to get everybody there. I know you guys had so many people that were fired up about this opportunity because we're rooted and established in love, and we've got a message to share. Because there's power in it. What if the church is that church? It knows and understands and grasps just how powerful we are. Not because of you and I having anything great to bring to the table, but because of the God who's that residence within us. Now to that church that's able to do immeasurably more. We can even ask or imagine. Immeasurably more. Okay, that was my introduction. Now you guys thought the sermon was over. I probably should be wrapping up, to be perfectly honest but we're not. We're going to look at a few things, and I, I hope you guys don't mind. Um, but I, I just wanted to, again, just kind of a rallying cry to the troops that, man, we are a powerful bunch if we know the Lord Jesus Christ. So let us not sit on that. Let us not be afraid. So there's a world that's hurting. There's a world that's hungry. There's a world that needs us, needs what we bring to the table. Not that we bring anything other than we bring the power of the Holy Spirit with us where we go. My words mean nothing, but when I open my mouth and say, Lord, speak. I'm just one old person. I go to a city of, of 8 million people, however many people are in the city of Chicago, and I wonder, God, what can I do to help bring a change to the things that are happening? Because, God, there's power at work in me. So I can walk into Inglewood, I can walk into Roseland, I can go into these neighborhoods and these communities, and I can speak truth even to the toughest young people. Not because I'm not scared, but because I know our God. Because I believe what his word tells me. Let us be that kind of church. Amen? that we know and believe and, and, and grasp just the, the love of Christ that will, that is just so amazing that it just empowers us. That we don't say, well, that's happening there. It's 25 miles away or 20 miles away. It's probably not even that far. But I'm good. I'm safe, comfortable right here. That's why we live here, so that we can be away from that, or away from Gary, or away from some of the things that are going on. Church, let's use the great things that God has blessed us with, not as a way of an escape, but as fuel for a world that really needs it, so that we can come home, get fired up, have a church that we can come to and get fed, and then look for opportunity. 
Look for opportunity. Look for opportunity to go. Where are you going to send me today, God? Who am I going to talk to today, God? Am I going to talk to the person in line at the grocery store today? Yeah. Yeah. Man, let that be our heart. All right, I'm going to breeze through this, this part because my introduction was only supposed to last about two minutes. Um, as you can tell, that didn't quite happen this morning. Um, so I'm going to breeze through um, a few things, but I just wanted to look at a few things in this story about the storm and about Paul being shipwrecked and just, um, just kind of some, some traits that kind of came to the surface as this whole thing unfolded. Because believe it or not, man, we are in some storms. I mean, there's not smooth sailing on this earth. And things are getting worse. So as things get worse, as the storm gets worse, as things start getting harsher and harder, that is an even greater call to the church to step up in an even greater way. This is not a time for retreat. This is not a time to turn our backs. This is a time to say, God, full speed ahead with you in the lead. So as we kind of read through the story, I mean, there's some real cool physical things that happen. And, and the way Luke tells the story, I mean, it's just, it's just vivid. It's just real. It's just raw. I mean, it's fantastic. And we won't get a chance to go into all that. I learned a lot of sailing stuff studying for this, by the way, um, which is pretty cool. So I've been sailing a couple of times on, on Lake Michigan. But, of course, it's nothing like, you know, sailing around the, you know, Cape of Africa. But... Um, I really wanted to share all this cool stuff that I learned with you guys, and I'm not going to get a chance to this morning. But I really would encourage you to take some time and look it up, because there's some really cool stuff that happens in this thing that I was just like, man, I can't wait to share with them about what I learned about the gale force winds in the Northeaster and the Lees. And I mean, I'm like, and taking soundings, and I'm like, this stuff is really cool. They're going to think I'm really smart when I share all this stuff, and then I won't even get a chance to share it all with you. So... I'll just tell you, I am really smart that way. Yeah, you no, just kidding. Acts chapter 27. We're really, I'm, I'm only going to pick out a few points. There were probably more, but I'm just going to pick out a few that I thought, that I think um, as a church, as a, as, as a, and listen, when I say church, please understand I'm not talking about the walls. Okay. Uh, when, I, when I say church, I'm not talking about the great ceiling. I'm not talking about the, the surroundings, the, the grass and stuff. The, the place that we come. When, when I talk about church, I'm talking about you. So if some of you were like, who's this church you keep talking about? What are we, the, the building? Everybody together? No, this is individual. You are the church. You make up the church. Whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you feel like you want to go out there and run and take the world, or whether you feel like, man, I've done that and now it's time for me to rest. <laughs> I'm retired now. Church that doesn't exist. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not even going to say that. Seriously, that I was not, I think I told you I was not going to step on toes this morning. Okay, I lied if I did tell him that, but I'm going to try not to. Acts 27, chapter 1, or Acts 27, verse 1, sorry. So when it was decided that we would sail for Italy, um, now as you guys know that Paul appealed to Caesar, he wanted to take his court, his case um, in front of Caesar in Rome, and that finally happened, and so he's now a prisoner, um, because of some false accusations that were made against him by the Jews. Um, and anyway, so that's kind of a little bit of, of background into that. Um, can't go into it a whole lot, but he's a prisoner on a ship heading to Italy. Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. 
And we boarded a ship about to sail ports along the coast, province of Asia, and we put out to sea. And Aristarchus, Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. The next day we landed in Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so that they may provide for his needs. Okay, can I just stop right there real quick? And I'm just going to take two seconds. A centurion is a soldier who has rank. And he is over a, a hundred century, over a hundred soldiers. So he's, he's earned kind of a rank. He's earned, and let me tell you, he hasn't earned that rank by being a pushover. You know, that, that wasn't earned by being somebody who is really kind of apt to showing a whole lot of kindness. He's a warrior. He's a battler. And men have to follow him into battle. Men have to follow him into war. So I, I would assume then that it's very possible that this centurion, that this soldier kind of has a, a, a bit of a chip on his shoulder. Maybe he's a little bit hard. I mean, he's, he's a tough guy. I mean, he's got to be because these guys have to follow him. These guys have to feel like by going with this guy, we're going into victory. So it was really interesting as we read this, and it says that Julius, this Roman centurion, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to, this is a prisoner, to go and, and to seek aid from his friends. Says something about the integrity of Paul. It says something about the integrity of the man of God that he felt pretty secure that he could send Paul off to be cared for by his friends, to have his needs met by his friends, and that he would return. Pulse check, how is our integrity doing? Are we that kind of a person that we have built the kind of trust, that we have displayed integrity, which means that we have shown this, this, this life of, of, of Christ in moments when people can see us and in moments when they can't. That we've built up a, 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 a something about us that people can just trust us. And I'll tell you, God, is a, he's really cool at challenging me in this every time. We were at a restaurant the other day, and they didn't, we ordered something extra, and they didn't put on the bill. And my initial reaction was, wow, God, thanks for blessing me. <laughs> and then after I got past that and, and really was trying to talk myself into why this was such a great thing and why I just did, go and just pay this bill and walk out because this was, this was God's doing. I mean, I didn't ask for it. You know, he just kind of gave it to me, and I get to save five bucks or whatever it was. I'm like, this is, woo, it's a great day. And once I came down off of that momentary high, saving five bucks, a reality hit. What kind of man am I if I don't make this right. See, that's the kind of integrity that, I, that Paul obviously displayed. I mean, this was, this was the kind of thing that was, that was nothing new to him. This was just who he was. This was just the kind of man that he was. And so even the, the Roman soldier saw this. And if we read back into some others, the governor, I mean, they saw this in Paul. Just the way he lived. Oh, that we should live that way. 
And it was funny to finish the story when I went back to take the to take the bill up to show them that they had missed this. And I was expecting them to say, oh, it's okay," And they didn't. And I was actually a little disappointed. (laughs) I know that's pretty sad, but it really was the truth. I thought they were going to be like, oh, thanks for being so honest. You took your whole meal free. But what I did walk out of that was a sense of, I don't know that waitress or what it may mean to her, if anything at all. But I think they were almost a little shocked that I even brought it up. And it was funny, the person at the register had to take it to the waitress to get them to add it on. And it was just this whole, so I'm like, there's at least two people in that place that know there are people with integrity that still exist. Oh, that we would be the church like that. I'm going to skip down because I'm going to get in a whole lot of trouble. So verse 9, so they, they're sale. Now, we've learned, and, and many of you know, if you've read this story, you've heard this, this before, that they're sailing in a time that's not really conducive for sailing. Okay, this isn't really the time you want to be sailing in the, in the late fall, early winter. That's just bad, choppy seas. So this is, this is kind of a, a no-brainer, that, that this, is the way, this isn't the way you want to you be uh, uh, doing your business. But as I did some study, and I will share this one fact, and, and this has kind of been shared by, by a bunch of historians, um, not all of them, so I'm just going to suggest it um, because I don't know it for a fact, but they were talking about the fact that at this time there was a, 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 a drought, a famine in Rome. And so there was these incentives that were given to people coming from the area of Egypt and coming from that way to bring grain to Rome. And that if they did that, there were financial incentives to them for doing this. Well, money trumps a lot of things in life, even common sense. And so there was now this press, this push to, hey, we got to go. Because for those ships that are able to bring grain in, in this type of a season when nobody's really traveling, there's some really good money in this for us. So the, the soldiers on board, the, the prisoners on board, I mean, hey, that may be some collateral damage. But if we can get this grain, let's travel even when it's not a smart idea. And so Paul speaks up. Verse 10. Verse 9, going to verse 10. So Paul warned them, men, I could see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. Verse 11, but the centurion, that's why I say this is a bit of a tough guy. He's, he's not a pushover. Instead of listening to what Paul said, follow the advice of the pilot. Now, I just want to take a real quick moment. <sighs> How many times have you, and and I know this of myself, given advice that wasn't received? And I mean, and it's good advice. I mean, you feel really good about this this advice that you've given. Maybe it's to your kids, whether they are small or they're adults. You know, maybe maybe it's, it's to someone at work, and you're just like, I just know that this way is a better way. And they don't hear you. They don't respond. 
And some of us, and I, I, I must admit, I, I am guilty of this at times. I just say, fine. You know what? You just do it your way and see what's going on. And I just basically wait for them to fall apart so that I can feel vindicated in some way. And I think of Paul warning them. And then there's a number of verses that go on, and Paul says nothing. Paul does not, he, he just allows things to unfold in front of him. But I'm going to tell you, and because we're not going to get a chance to really press into this as much, that when the moment comes for Paul to speak up again, he doesn't say, I'm not going to say anything because they didn't listen to me the first time. If they'd have listened to me, we wouldn't be. He waited for a new opportunity to bring truth. And sometimes for us, that may be over and over and over again. It was such a powerful thing. I'm like, Paul, you, I mean, obviously this is Paul's life as well. He's on this boat, so he doesn't want to go down with the ship. But I'm just thinking the fact that sometimes I just, when I talk to my brothers about Christ, and I'm just like, and they're just not hearing it. And I'm just like, I give up. I give up. And I, Paul's just like, you know, just wait. There's going to be a new opportunity. And there's going to be a new opportunity. And there's going to be a new opportunity. Church, we have great opportunity. And it may not have been the last hundred times that you've talked to your child about whatever it was, but it may be the next one. On verse 18, it said, We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw cargo overboard. So they're on the ship, they're going. I mean, it's just, seas are rough, storm is bad, and it's getting worse, it's not getting better, and they're just now just being driven by the storm. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to make a statement um, here that I just feel like it has to be that I, I just need to make. And, and it, ha- it comes, and this is not a, t- intended to be a politically charged statement, but I'm going to tell you, some people, de- depending on, on how you voted um, in this last election, kind of feel like a battered ship that's just kind of being driven by the wind. And we have no control. We have no control. And we're looking at the direction that things are heading, and we're looking at the direction our country's heading, and we're saying this isn't good, this isn't good, but you just all we can do is just kind of go with the wind. All we're doing is just kind of going where it takes us. And I'll tell you, and it's such an amazing thing that when we read on, and it's that Paul tells the men, but take courage, but take hope. Even in the midst of this storm, even in the midst of what's going on, even in the midst of things getting worse and worse and worse and seemingly inevitable that there's going to be a a, a violent, horrible end. Men of God, women of God, church. Verse 21. Paul says, man, you should have taken my advice not to sail to Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. And it doesn't sound like he would have said it the way I would have said it. See, that's what you get. You should have listened to me. I tried to tell you. You didn't want to hear me. Now look at this mess we're in. I want you all to feel really bad about it. No. should have taken my advice. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. Because none of us will be lost. Men and women of God. Keep up your courage. 
that power that we talked about at the beginning, that power that is within us, that, that being rooted and established in the love of Christ, that means something no matter how turbulent the wave, no matter how you feel that you're being just driven, whether it's in your personal life, where the things in your, in your business and finances are going bad, where the things in your family and the kids aren't doing what you think they should do and things are just spiraling out of control. But keep your courage. God's word to the church. But keep up your courage. Because it's not done yet. The story's not over yet. It's not played out yet. There's still things that God has to do. There's still things that happen. And as Paul went on, he began to speak prophetically to these people, to other prisoners, and to the guards, and said, I had a dream last night, and nothing. The boat will be torn. But we won't be lost. Basically said, stick with me, kids. We'll be going places. It's God's word to the church. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to stop there. But that's a great place to stop. Stick with me, children of God. And this is God speaking, not me. That no matter how the storm blows, no matter what's going on in your life, I have a plan. I have a purpose. So keep up your courage, because I need you. I need you to stay together, to be the church, to harness the power that is at work within you so that you can be the calming force in the middle. I mean, it even goes on to talk about them breaking bread and eating. And Paul ate first in the middle of the storm that they've been in for two weeks. I mean, just being beaten and beaten by the waves. And Paul says, man, we got to eat something. It's been a long time. You got to lose energy. We need it. And he broke the bread and he gave thanks for it. And he took of it and he ate. And he said, the men saw this. And they began to eat too. The calming factor in the middle of a storm are the people of God that say, but take courage because there's hope. But there's hope. Because our God reigns. And so as long as our God reigns, there's hope. As long as our God reigns, there's an answer. As long as our God reigns, the boat may be tattered, the vessel may be torn, but the people of God We've got better days ahead. The awesome thing is that we have a responsibility to not keep that to ourselves. So that's why we go to Target. And we share coffee and donuts with people. That's why we come out of our bubbles sometime. And we speak and we share life and we speak and we share truth because there's a world of people that are experiencing storms so much greater than some of us could even imagine. And we get to speak hope and life and calm into those storms. Just as Paul was able to do for those people on both 276 and not one was lost. Not one. It is God's desire that the church be the church. The on earth, breathing, moving, active power 
of God to be the calm in the storm. And as we grow and as we fill our lives with more of him and more of his love, and as we seek more of the power and as we speak prophetically to one another and to people we don't, as we speak the very truths of God to people, I believe that there will be many that will be rescued. That we literally will be plucking them out of a turbulent sea. And as we say, they will plant their feet on solid ground. That should make you want to shout hallelujah. That should make us as a people, that should make us as a church say, man, God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? When I'm at Bella Boo's with the kids, there's a mom over here that I'm sure is just feeling completely alone, just feeling completely because the husband has a word. I mean, we don't know all these things, but we're like, I'm going to speak some truth. I want to just speak some hope in that situation. And I don't know that situation. Why? Because we bring something to the table everywhere we go, and that is the hope of Jesus Christ. So we've got to be excited, people, <laughs> that we get to be the church. That there's a privilege that comes with that. That there's a joy that comes with that. That there's honor that comes with that. There's hope that comes with that. Not because you or I are so good. Because our God's awesome. Amen? Lord God, we just thank you so much for this day, Lord. We thank you for your word. God, there's so much that was left out, Lord. But we know that your Holy Spirit speaks. God, even as I fumble through my words, Lord, even as my thoughts are just going through my head at a billion miles an hour, Lord, your Holy Spirit calmly speaks truth to our hearts. So, God, I just thank you, Lord, that these are our people, Lord, that are going to stand, that are going to be leaders, that are going to rise, that are going to have influence in every sphere and every circle that they come into. Lord, that you're going to rally this church, that you're going to rally this body of believers to become a people, Lord, that are reaching and looking for opportunities, God, to just declare just how great you are. Lord, that you would allow us, that you would empower us, that you would embolden us, that you would give us the, 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 the fortitude, Lord, to speak calm into some pretty turbulent storms. And God, even as a country, as we feel maybe that we're being just kind of, we're just on this boat and we're just kind of being blown by a wind that we have no control, Lord, we know that you control the wind and the waves. And so, Lord, it is for that reason that we're able to take courage. God, it's for that reason that we don't lose hope. It is for that reason, God, that we get excited because we know that our God is going to do something immeasurably more than we can ask or think or imagine, Lord. So, God, we just say, come, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, come. God, give me the power. Lord, give me the strength. Lord, give me the boldness to be a vessel, Lord, used by you, little old me, to do huge things in your name. So, God, I just pray that for this church, Lord. I pray that for this body of believers. God, I just pray that if there's any that don't know you, Lord, today, God, that today will be the day of salvation. Lord, we pray that you would just call more out of the sea, Lord, that you would calm the seas and the storms in their lives, God, and that they would step on that firm foundation, Lord, that is you.
And so, God, I pray that as this church, Lord, reaches out into Munster and beyond, that you would do great and mighty things amongst these people. In Jesus' name, amen.